Greetings, greenhouse people, and welcome to another installment of Tech on Demand, where our goal is always to bring you tips, tricks, and information to produce, and in this case, sell your best crop ever. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and I'm happy to be joined today by Bryce Anderson, the sales manager for the HC companies. Bryce is a 28-year industry vet with experience in a wide range of roles, from greenhouse production and distribution to retail and even manufacturing. He's been a head grower and production manager, as well as a garden center manager. He also brings experience in sales and operation management and says his skills have evolved over the years to include water, media, nutrition management, and he has a particular focus on crop quality. And it is this comprehensive understanding of the industry that makes him perfect for our discussion today. Are growers selling themselves short? The struggle to balance price with value. It's going to be a dynamic conversation, I'm sure of it, and I really can't wait to get started. So Bryce, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. For sure, for sure. So why don't we get started real quick with a little bit of an icebreaker for the listeners. So when you think about this topic that we're going to discuss today, balancing price with value, what have you seen over the years that inspired you to want to have this discussion? Uh, yeah. You know, one thing that really stands out in my mind is the is the seven ninety nine or the nine ninety nine hanging basket being sold at retail, because I'd rather sell them fast and sell out, um, knowing that you know they're going to sell anyway. So it's like you know, hey Bill, I've done it, I've grown it, I've wholesaled it, shipped it, trucked it, watered it, fertilized it, sprayed it. I know what it takes, and it just makes me cringe. For sure. I have actually my own experience with that. The garden center I used to work at, we raised hanging basket prices and they were probably $7.99 and we raised them $2, which Ooh. was like a huge deal. And I remember our manager like, eh, we're just going to go ahead and give it a shot. We sold just as many. Nobody even blinked. And I guarantee that that, you know, the next year we raised prices on gallon perennials, raised prices on packs of flats. And again, there was no resistance and all that fear kind of went away. Uh, so it's funny you mentioned hanging baskets because that is definitely one that I've seen <laughs> in action. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I, you know, with, with all, you know, goods, you know, I feel like there's a ceiling, like a tolerance of what consumers are willing to pay, but you know, why, why play at the bottom? You know, let's true. try to find let's try to find that ceiling because I mean there's a lot of work that goes into what we do in this industry and you know it, it it's a it's a dollar that 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 basically stays out of our pockets for every dollar we we fearfully don't add to the value of our crops. Yep, and you can tell pretty quick when you walk into a, a retailer um, or grower if they come from a, a kind of a, a cut flower background where they tend to have higher prices or from a produce background where it's all about volume. And uh, I had, a, I've had people mention that to me before when we've walked in and say, Oh yeah, I can tell that this, you know, the, the, these guys had a truck farm back in the day because, you know, they're all about just cranking out volume at, at a pretty low price. And then on the opposite end of the cut flower guys where they're, you know, really focused on that high quality, high dollars. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, you know, there, there's a fair amount of, of greenhouse flower growers that whether they were cut flowers before, you know, they were truck farmers, mm -hmm. you know, their first, their first greenhouses went up, you know, as, as a means to start their vegetable seeds for the field. 
And then, you know, along the way, a a daughter, a son, a a wife or, or, or the owner or whoever, they wanted to start a few flowers for the garden. It just kind of stemmed from there. So it was almost like kind of like a little bonus crop for the primary family business. So it's like, well, let's just get it, get it growing and get it out. It's a little bit extra. Exactly. Or folks were knocking on their doors saying, hey, will you grow us some flowers back in the day? And all of a sudden now, next thing you know, they're third generation greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. So I think that 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 actually sets a stage really well for this discussion. So when we talk about this, you know, what, what we both seen and what, what folks have seen as a hesitation or even aversion to raising prices is what what inspires that fear? Is it just the fear that they're going to have a full greenhouse at the end of the season when it ought to be empty? What do you, or is there more to it? What do you think? You know, I, I think selling out is, is critical, you know, because it, I, it's interesting how just in the years that I've been doing this, it seems like our industry has, has evolved, at least in my, in my mind, and, you know, what I'm offering are my, my insights, thoughts, opinions based on observations, personal experience, uh, the experiences that I've shared with others. But uh, I, I think that our industry has, has evolved to a more business oriented industry with generational transitions. And when I think back over the 28 years I've been doing this, it, you know, it, it was literally like, uh, you know, you got a piece of paper, you draw a line down the middle of it. And on the left-hand side, you write your expenses. And on the right-hand side, you write your revenues. And you hope that the right column is more than the left column. You know, everybody's in business to make money. Um, and I think back in the, you know, based on the, you know, from the stories I've been told, you know, back in the heyday of the terrarium plant days back in the 70s and, and really into the 80s, um, you know, when, when flowers were, the garden center was the destination. Um, the one thing that I think happened that they kind of shaped where we've gone the last 20 years was really the kind of the, 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 the growth of the big box store. Mm. You know, how, how many times have we all heard that, I, you know, it, or, or experienced, you know, as, as growers and as retailers, uh, kind of the fear of got to compete with the big box store. Don't want to lose market share to the big box store. And, you know, that I feel that that's kind of been a, that that feeling has kind of stuck around for a while, um, you know, and that kind of shaped the pricing models and 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 has, has really played a role in, in kind of the diminished values in, in the crops that we produce. Makes a lot of sense. And, and you're right. I think that we are seeing a, a change these days, a lot more attention placed on whether it's cost accounting or, you know, maximizing. Uh, what, what you're getting out of your square footage, I think that that there's a lot more attention to the numbers and you're not just sweeping all the cash into a shoebox and hoping there's some left after you pay your pay your employees. And um, no, I, I think that that that's really good insight and definitely seen and heard tons of examples that that make me feel like your analysis is is pretty spot on. So think about it from uh, maybe we can think about it a little bit from a the shopper's perspective because I know that the you know the the leadership of greenhouses is changing and we've seen um, a lot of transition in ownership, but I think that we're seeing certainly currently a transition in the type of shopper and, and, and who's coming in to buy plants and some of the, the reasons behind why they're making those purchase decisions. And I know that you do have a, a pretty good understanding of the, of the market and, and retail experience. Do you think, you know, is there 
a lot of price sensitivity on the side of the shopper. Are they shopping one channel, whether it's big box or independent or farm markets or sort of other, other plant, uh, you know, places where they can buy plants. Take us a little bit into the mind and behavior of, of today's lawn and garden customer. If you've got your crystal ball handy. You know, you know kind of as I, as I see it and, and my feelings on it are is, is if, if I'm pricing my products, you know, there, there's, there's the first and foremost, it's like, what do I need to do as a business owner to make sure that I'm, that I'm taking care of my business and my needs to be financially successful and be profitable, but also being cognizant of, of the, what's going on around me as well. Um, in terms of what are the big box stores? What are the other garden centers? What's the demographic of where I, where, where I'm located at? Cause I think demographics certainly play a part in, in, in the kind of those, those price ceilings and the price tolerances. Um, but it, I, I don't, in terms of shoppers, I, when I, when I was in the greenhouse, you know, we, we had like what we'd call satellite greenhouses or we had uh, retail extension and uh, we had several of them. And, and the one that did the best out of all of them was right across the street from a Walmart. And, you, you know, logic, logic during those times would have told us based on kind of the, the overwhelming thinking was and the need to compete with Walmart was it got to be cheap to compete with Walmart. But, you know, the other side of it was it was a high traffic area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we think about non-horticulture type goods and services, you know, down here, we've got Publix, we've got Ingalls and, and I'm in Georgia, Bill, you know, I'm down in Athens, Georgia. Um, I've, I've spent the majority of my career up in the upper Midwest, been in Georgia now for a few years. We've got Kroger, Publix, Ingalls. I don't think that the shoppers at those stores price shop between the three. They go to the one that's convenient, the one that they're comfortable with. There, there may be price differences in the products that those groceries, grocers offer, but I, I think it goes unnoticed by the shopper because they're shopping at one or the other. I think the same can be said for uh, Lowe's and Home Depot um, and Menards up in the, in the upper Midwest. It, it's a shopper preference. Sure. So, you know, I'm not going to go and buy two by four by eights at Home Depot and then go buy my two by sixes at Lowe's because there's a dime difference. So I think that you've got maybe a little bit of brand loyalty within the shoppers. Certainly, I think in our industry, we've got, you know, perhaps the, the customer that frequents the, the big box home improvement store that will purchase some things there but is also very committed to the local garden center because they value the, you know, the, the quality, the, the selection and, and the customer service and the expertise that comes along with that. So I, rather than, rather than, you know, kind of hone in on the pricing differences, kind of hone in on what the, the, the value of, of what my operation is as a flower grower to be able to justify what I do there. Yeah, and I think the the big the big thing you said there was was lo the loyalty, and in order to uh, generate that kind of loyalty as as an independent business, you know, it's really comes down to service, right? I mean, it's service and quality are the are the are the two I think main main factors, and and you're right. I, I think that when you when you go out to shop for whatever whatever product you're looking for 
convenience and getting value for the dollars that you spend. Um, you mentioned local demographics. <clears throat> that is something that there's an intricacy to that is really understanding your shopper. Um, sometimes that comes down to, you know, being in the store, asking them questions. If you're a wholesaler selling to, to garden centers, you know, visit those stores, you know, take a look at, at who's buying and really, you know, ask those kind of questions at the beginning of the season when, when you go to, to take those orders and, and try to fit, fit those demographics. Um, I mean, it, it's not easy though. I, I think that you're, we have a wide range of shoppers. Someone mentioned to me that we have like four generations shopping at garden centers, you know, whether that is independent or mass market. I mean, you have multiple generations, probably more yeah. so than ever in history shopping together. So it's, I mean, it's gotta be tough to, to meet all those needs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, the, the generational overlap right now, I mean, I, I feel like we're kind of at a crossroads um, in our industry. And I think a lot of uh, consumer goods type businesses are, it's not exclusive to us, but you know, when, when I think about, you know, historically, you know, urban metropolitan areas, large cities, you know, like Cleveland, where you're at in Atlanta, where I'm at, where, you know, very progressive, um, very diverse, you know, there's a, there's a lot more overlap of, of the types of shoppers. And, and there's, it's, it's really a melting pot of shoppers in the, in the metropolitan areas. But, you know, what about the rural areas, you know, and, you know, but I'm, I'm the youngest of six kids, Bill, and, and my parents grew up, you know, post Great Depression. So, you know, they they had that that Great Depression mindset that, you know, you you don't you know, they're misers. You know, you, it's, it's you know, they want to save. You don't throw away leftovers. You don't spend two dollars for something if you can get it for a dollar fifty somewhere else. You know, my mom would always ask me, you know, how much was gas, how much was milk and how much was bread? And I'm like, well, I have no idea because I need right. those three things. I just buy them. Yeah. Um, and she was very dialed in on that. And I know that a lot of growers that I work with and, and I was in somewhat of a rural area as well, really had to be cognizant of the shoppers, mm. you know, and that generational because, you know, they were going to be a little bit more um dialed in on on value mm-hmm. um you know we and then in the where i worked we had a, a phenomenal selection so we'd, we'd get the the large gardeners coming in wanting to buy the you know the specific varieties and such but you know they were also very price conscious mm. but then we were also able to offer more of a diverse selection of products that were maybe priced where they needed to be because that that kind of catered to the 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 customers that wanted to buy the specific stuff. So it's really understanding your market. Who are you selling to? You know, another anomaly is like, you know, we, we couldn't sell hanging basket, uh, cocoa hanging basket, but the, but the, the moss one sold. And I have customers that I work with today that they, they can't sell a 12 inch combo, but they can sell a 10 inch combo, you know, a multiculture basket, or they can't sell moss. They can sell cocoa. So it's really understanding, you know, the area that we, that I feel that we sell in, um, being aware of, of what other players are in the market, but really doing what's right for, for me and my business when I make pricing decisions. Yeah. And you need to be aware of what, what, what the other stores are doing, but it, it can't be the, it can't dictate your actions. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because you're right in a, in an area like I live, there's so many different options to buy plants. Um, and, and there are people who shop all of them. There are people who shop only one channel, but, uh, you know, you, you can't, 
you can't base your decisions off of someone else's business model because it's going to be different than your own. The, the, one, the discussions that are really difficult for me um, is when I hear that I have to compete with Home Depot or I have to compete with Lowe's in town. And, and when it's difficult is when the, the, the person I'm talking to is selling a four and a half inch geranium for a buck 99 or 249 retail. When I know full and well that Lowe's and Home Depot are at the, at the 349 and up range. Sure. Um, I think when we look back, you know, you've been doing this a couple of years yourself. I mean, if we think back over the progression of the, the big box presence in our industry, I, I think it's reasonable to, to say that they did start, sell, start off by selling cheap. Mm-hmm. And, but over time, you know, the pricing has escalated to a point now where, you know, they, they are, they're higher than some of the retailers, the independents, you know, that I work with. Absolutely. It's not uncommon to see a, a four and four ninety nine, five ninety nine quart at all. And yeah. those and those are healthy prices. And the growers getting paid and the growers make money and and the shoppers are are getting a, a great product that performs well because it's a you know it's it's of a decent size. And I, I think you're absolutely right. The the evolution has certainly uh yeah, what, what's happening today is not what was happening 15, 20 years ago um, at, at the hardware stores. That is for sure. So I think, you know, the, this fear or hesitation to raise prices or to command a higher price is probably a little bit unwarranted. And, and you've given a lot of really good examples and it's it's refreshing to think about. But, you know, there are growers that are going to still have hesitation. We know this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we're still going to see a $7.99 hanging basket. I guarantee we're going to see them this spring. Um, so kind of getting down to the to the nuts and bolts, how, how can, you know, if, if a grower or a listener is reluctant to raise prices, you know, how what's what's your advice to rise above that concern and really increase their revenue? Because it's a like to me, it's a mindset shift, but I'm I'm interested in in what you think like. You know what? What it? What it? What are those one or two elements that that need to shift in in a grower's mind um, before they can take the take the plunge and and add a couple dollars to that item at wholesale? You know, I I think first and foremost is 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 really kind of dig in you know emotionally on what what those personal barriers are. Um, that are making one reluctant to kind of push the, the price up a little bit. You know, maybe maybe there's some anomalies in that market that really kind of put that ceiling where it's at. But and the folks that tell me that they're competing with the big box store locally, you know, try to understand where those big box price levels are if the two aren't aligned, making sure that, you know, being well informed of who the competition is. Um, but then also really kind of dig into who is my shopper? Do my shoppers bounce around or do I have repeat shoppers? Um, what if I don't have, what if I don't know if I have repeat shoppers or the things that I can do, like, how about just a simple email list or like us on Facebook, some simple things that we can do. Uh, the really cool thing about that is, is that uh, a lot of, of greenhouses and garden centers are going through some generational transitions right now where there's a lot of youth coming in that are starting to do some of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but then, you know, the, the other part of it too, is like, you know, in my mind is really evaluating, you know, what, what my, what my costs are, you know, making sure what my input costs are and kind of trying to get a feel for what, how my input costs have, have changed over time in the last year, the last two years, five years, 10 years. And I, I think that sadly, I, I think it's generally accepted and by most greenhouse growers that pricing has not kept up with costs. Um, and I, do you, would you tend to agree with that? I know I've talked to Chris Absolutely. a lot about this and, you know, Chris writes about all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, how do, how do we, how do we push the envelope? And then what are the times that we're in right now? Um, spring creates a frenzy in itself, uh, kind of that first weekend, whether you're in Cleveland and it's the first weekend in May or down here, it's the last weekend in March, first weekend in April people get excited. You know, we've been really rainy and cold. You guys are coming out of the polar vortex. Yep. How do we, how do we, how do we capitalize on the frenzy of everything that's going on? And, you know, would we sell it if we were a dollar more when we're going to sell it anyway? Only a, only a grow, only an, an individual business owner can answer those questions, but maybe, maybe challenge ourselves to think about, you know, the environment that my business is like in the, in the spring season. And then I think COVID is really, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks are, you know, are over COVID, you know, it's like, you know, but it's a reality. It's it's impacted all businesses. And I mean, it has created such a, an incredible, unprecedented, never thought I'd see frenzy around horticulture anyway. Um, why not capitalize on that? I mean, how many, how many garden centers are like sold out immediately, wish they had more. Uh, we saw wholesale growers adding greenhouse space. Um, and those who didn't add space, I think there's a lot of growers that really thought hard about, you know, making some price adjustments because of the limited space. If you can only grow 10, you can only sell 10. And, you know, why not optimize the profits on the 10 that you can grow? So, you know, think about the environment and, and what about pricing? I mean, do we raise it all a percent? Do we, you know, probably not. Yeah, probably you pick know, and I'm, choose. I'm, I mean, I think you pick and choose. I, I, I like to go back to uh, grocery store produce type models. You know, I, I think that for decades, our industry has had a, let's call it a $20 hanging basket, mm-hmm. a $5, four and a half inch pot. A two dollar and forty nine cent four pack, a nine ninety nine gallon perennial, mm-hmm. a five ninety nine quart perennial, mm-hmm. and that's just whether you buy the dollar fifty uh, patented rooted liner version or the seed version. But why not do more of an a la carte type pricing model? Yeah. You know, don't need to raise it all. Uh, if you grow 100,000 hanging baskets or if you grow 10,000 hanging baskets or let's say you grow 500 hanging baskets and maybe that's your lost leader and you leave that price the same, mm-hmm. but but why not think about pushing the envelope on you know some specific categories like four and a quarter or four and a half inch pots or splitting up your annuals into more specialty annuals? You know, lots of different options. Um, I think subtle changes, uh, you know, here and there among sizes and and across varieties, I think, you know, 
that maybe goes a little bit more unnoticed than raising the price on on everything all at once. For sure. But when I go to the when I go to the grocery store, Bill, and I, I buy potatoes, there's you know there's ten different kinds of potatoes and different size bags, and they're all different prices. Why can't we do that in our industry? Um, why can't proven winners or uh, you know the, the ball varieties and the the ball genetics be priced a little bit more than the seed varieties that we're doing in, in a in a pot? No, I, I think that there, there's a lot of logic to that. Um, you, ju- you just went through a lot. I think that the examining those emotional barriers is probably a good first step. Like why, you know, why, why am I afraid to raise prices or why have I had them set this way for so long? Um, the know, knowing your costs is hugely critical. And I think we're actually moving pretty well in that direction. I think that, um, that, that most operations I, I talk to these days have a, are at least uh, conscious that they need to be much more aware of their costs um, and, not, and not under, I guess, under, va- under value or under measure um, their, their input costs, um, because you're right, they, they have gone up over time. Um, being informed of your surroundings and, uh, you know, you're, you're right, what you said is, completely accurate. If you ask most retail managers, what are the prices at the, at the other uh, stores around you, whether they're big box or, or other independents, um, they frequently don't know, um, or they, or they know what they were 10 years ago and that's just what they've been operating on. Um, and then the, the, the deep understanding of market dynamics. And a lot of that comes to asking questions. You've got a lot of access to customers. I mean, when they're in your store, there's no reason why you can't survey them. You write social media, email lists, you know, ask, ask your shoppers some questions, get a better sense of, you know, other places they shop, um, some of their, their buying habits, and that's going to really help uh, mold uh, a new pricing model. Um, and I would agree. I don't think you'd drop a percent or two across the board. I think you've got to pick and choose. Um, but that does come down to understanding who's, who's shopping at your store and, um, the, the price resistance, I think is, is much lower than, than people feel it, it would be, uh, you're right. What we're going through right now, we've unprecedented numbers of new shoppers, foot traffic, average ticket sale. I mean, everything is, is becoming, uh, you know, now that we've, we've had a season and looked back on it and seen some of the data, it's, it's very encouraging and it's not going to slow down this year. I think a lot of growers are being aggressive. Um, a lot of retailers are excited to continue some of that momentum. We've got a massive, massive generation of people reaching their spending years. Um, this, this is the time to take a hard look at pricing and, and not continue to leave money on the table moving forward because, I mean, there's so much opportunity. You know, I did. You know, I hear. Oftentimes, I hear. Well, it's like you know, geez, it's March price. It's March bill. You know, it, it, my prices are set, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, why? Why are they set? Yeah. You know, if, if you've if you've got a, a a set number of units and you blow through them, why not a, a mid season price adjustment? I think the biggest fear for me as a grower was shrink. Shrink is expensive. Yeah, that's for and, sure. And it, and if I had to carry inventory, the longer I carried it, the more expensive it was. Yep. 
So, you know, you were, I think you were spot on when you, you know, fear of not selling out. Yeah, that's huge. It's a huge fear because it's very expensive. Because then, you know, nowadays it's like, you, 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 there is no more incineration. There are, there are very few, like what I'll call like personal or private landfills. <laughs> it's like right. if it goes in a dumpster and then the dumpster costs you money and yeah. now you got stuff going to the landfill. Um, so it, it, that is a, that's a consider, that's a consideration. I remember one of my mentors when I got into distribution. One of my, I was in sales, working for a distributor in the Upper Midwest, and you know one one of the things that they told me early on that I've always remembered is, you know, Steve said, Bryce, you, you know, here's your budget. You can sell as much as you can for as little as you need to to get the business, uh, or you can sell as little as possible for as much as you can. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But this is the number you got to hit at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's great when you're dealing with hard goods, <laughs> right? You know, I. But but with plants, it's not the same. You know, you, you you we have to get it right, and and we have to try to. It, it's it's a lot easier for you and I to talk about it than it is to try to figure it out because we're dealing with a perishable, yeah. um, and and it is very expensive and we have to throw it away. Yeah, shrinks a killer throughout the entire chain from the from the offshore farm all the way up to the that finished hanging basket that goes in the dumpster. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of our biggest uh, issues as an industry that, that we've gotten better on. I mean, planting to a plan is much more common than it used to be. There's not a whole lot of overage out there, but it also occurs to me that if you're not dumping a little bit, you probably weren't risking enough to gain extra sales. So there's gotta be a, a cost analytic i mean so someone smarter than me i'm sure is, has taken a look at, at how much extra do i need to grow because you know you, i've also heard it said you you make money after the first two turns is where you're gonna make your money so or the first turn so how do you maximize that opportunity later in the season um i don't know if, if that if that factors into to the way you think about pricing or not but yeah, that you know that's a great point because in understanding you know the upper Midwest, we you know, and then in your area, you know, at heat, heat's a huge factor. Sure. Um, so the earlier crops were the most expensive crops, so it's those second or third turns, and all of a sudden you don't have the heat into it. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, I you know, as far as shrink at the, at the retail level, I mean, if you if you go to the grocery store and you need to buy. I don't know, you take your kids to the grocery store, or the pumpkin patch or wherever you go and you're going to get pumpkins for Halloween. Or is it going to be a good experience if there's a thousand or what if there's two left? Right. So on retail, I know you're in the garden center, Bill. It's like yeah. it, you try to have at least part of a bench or a, a decent selection. If I had like one or two, I, I had I just it was better to have none than to have one or two. That's cool. So shrink at retail. I, I don't know. Some. Some listeners may cringe when I say this, but retail shrink seemed a little bit more appropriate in my mind to be around five to six percent mm-hmm. because that meant that I was keeping enough on the bench, you know, to to have a decent selection for the shopper. You're right. No, nobody wants to shop from an empty bench or you know, when there's two parts yeah. left, you go to the next place. I mean, always. You you're like even if they're perfect, it's like, eh, I don't know about that. So Yeah. Yep. I think uh, it's been really a lot of great information. This is a fun conversation. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts before we close? And I guess 
if folks want to get in touch with you to either continue the conversation or even to, to learn more about, we didn't talk much about HC companies, but to learn more about what, what you guys do, what, um, any final thoughts and, and how can folks, uh, get in touch? Well, so HC companies, uh, visit our website at HC dash companies, plural, um, dot com. And, uh, I can be reached at B Anderson at hc-companies.com. Feel free to reach out. Um, you know, as far as, as far as closing thoughts, we're a tight industry. Um, you know, you know, we have relationships that are decades long and we're, we're cultivating and fostering new relationships with the, the next generations coming up, you know, tap into our wealth of, of, of our, our massive network. You know, what are others doing? You know, we already talk amongst ourselves and, you know, let's do it together. Um, I, I applaud, you know, I, by no means do I want to suggest that everybody's prices are too low because that's simply not the case. I applaud the, the growers and retailers that are already doing a lot of things that we've talked about today. And, and they're the ones that, you know, have, have really kind of helped shape my thoughts on, you know, the, the opportunity to raise prices more for so many others. And, you know, take calculated risks, take small risks. And if it doesn't work out, you can always dial it back. Um, it's, it's about an eight to 12 week season. And, you know, it's eight weeks and it's over, but there's time, you know, adjust on the fly. It's true. No, those, I just, those are great points. I just want, I, I love this industry. Um, I love growers. I love working with industry professionals in all aspects of the industry. And I just did, it is my desire to see everybody uh, do well and prosper and make money and, and, and run healthy businesses. So I, I've given 28 years to this industry and God willing, I'll give another couple decades before it's all over. Awesome. Awesome. I heard a, a consultant once say to, to his clients who are growers, he said, uh, I just want y'all to take vacation this year. He's like, no. and they were all like, we're on vacation. We were touring garden centers. And he's like, no, you're yeah. not on vacation. I just want you guys to have enough money that you can take vacation this year. And, and that would seem like a foreign idea to so many people and it really, really shouldn't be. So Bryce, this has been awesome. It's been such a, a fun discussion. Uh, I can honestly say I don't want it to end, um, but I think luck, lucky for me and for our listeners, you're gonna be back. And we're gonna dig into some other topics, including sustainable production. So we're gonna get down to nuts and bolts of sustainable production. And then we're going to get into product differentiation, which has a lot to do with our discussion today. And it's one thing that I, I would have uh, dug into a little bit more if, if I didn't know that we were going to have a, a much more thorough discussion about differentiation, because I think a lot of those topics um, can help with, with the pricing discussion. Yeah. So Yeah, the two go hand in hand. So it's really. like I almost went down that road today, but I kind of held back a little bit. So we'll save a little bit for next time, Bill. Awesome. This is great. This is great. So Bryce, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Bob Publishing and all the listeners, uh, thank you so much. Your insights are very inspirational. Um, you've got such a, a range of knowledge and passion uh, came across so clearly. So uh, take care. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. I'm Bill Calkins with Ball Tech On Demand, wishing you a fantastic season and some encouragement to take a look at your pricing models and determine where there's room to add more to your bottom line. Be sure to subscribe to Tech On Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and just about all the others. 
And again, on behalf of Bryce and HC companies, take care out there.